Welcome to Forte Catholic. This is Taylor Schroll, your lovable and huggable host of Forte Catholic, live here from the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas. However you may be listening, whether you're live, driving in your car, or your name is Judy Como and you're driving to your poker game, hey Judy, how are you? Or you're listening on the on the podcast, it is uh, a pleasure to have you in today. So <clears throat> it's been pretty busy in my life. I've been sharing that over the last couple of weeks of the show. So most of the time I have a good uh, you know three hours to prepare for the show, and I was uh, getting ready for today, and I got off of work. I don't know, around five thirty. But then I had a meeting with a with a young man who's been in our our uh, our our ministry, and he's going off to college. We went and had tacos and talked about how to keep his faith going in college, which is interesting because that's actually what we're going to be talking about in our third segment. We're going to be talking about young adults and their faith and how to keep their faith uh, alive and well, and the and the faith of the church alive and well in that age demographic. <clears throat> so, um, but. In talking to him, that uh, gave me a little less time for preparation than I normally do. So I was kind of stressed out. I got over to um, to the studio, and I was looking at my notes. I pulled them up. Most of the time, what I do is on Tuesday afternoons. I get here around five. I make a little like you know Forte Catholic eight fifteen seventeen with the date. I plan out my three segments. I get in touch with the with the guest that's going to come on, and then I go from there. So on the way over here from the taco place, I call my guest that's that's coming on, that's booked for tonight. And he's like, oh, uh, I'm ready for the interview on Thursday. And I'm like, nope. And he goes, oh, it's tomorrow, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, it's in about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he he's not coming on. So, uh, <laughs> he's not so, ready. So, uh, yeah, we're going to reschedule and have him on some other time. So then I'm like, huh, need to find another guest. So then I uh, reached out to a buddy of mine who was at the the Synod on Young People, the Synod on Young Adults with me. I'll explain a little bit more what that is in the third segment. Um, but essentially, it was this, it was this uh, meeting of bishops, of the Austin Diocese bishops, to talk about how we can better serve young adults. So I was like, you know what? I was going to have a conversation about this anyway. I got my notes from <clears throat> when I went to the Synod last week. But let's, let's get him in on the conversation just in case something happens with the guest, right? And that actually ended up working out pretty well. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, I talked to the guest that's supposed to come on. He says he can't come on. And actually, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I sent up a prayer for him. Um, I won't tell you his name, but I uh, sent up a prayer for him right now. He's actually, he actually can't come on for a pretty serious reason, actually. He's a drive, I, I'm guessing his wife and him were on vacation or doing a business travel or something. But he's having to drive back home because he has to take his son to the doctor or emergency room because something's wrong. So uh, just send up a prayer for him. Um, right now, if you're listening to the podcast, just, you know, hit pause real quick and uh, send up a little 15, 30 second prayer for that family up in Ohio. So, um, the other interesting thing that happened as I was planning for the show that, uh, Sam, who's, who's sitting here with me, uh, pointed out is last week I was talking about how, um, I have this, this, uh, this whole, this whole quote from St. Ignatius where he says, work as if everything depended on you and pray as if everything depended on God. Mm-hmm. And Sam was like, oh, look, you know, you went and had this meeting with this young man. You asked him how he's going to keep his faith in college. And Jesus was just smiling at you. And he's like, you know what? You're not preparing for your show, but I am. <clears throat> so, Sam, I get into the studio kind of stressed out about what this first segment's going to be about. And what did I find? What did you find? I found my notes 
That's right. Because last week I had like a whole other segment planned and then we asked Carlos Zamora to stay on for the third segment because he right. was just such an awesome, awesome time. If you missed that interview, it's one of the best I've ever done. ForteCatholic.com slash radio. Go check it out. Listen to him. He was absolutely phenomenal. So I had forgotten that the third segment I had planned for that, I actually had still had my notes. So like Jesus knew, even though I forgot, that I had this segment planned. And then I called my good old friend Tony, who I absolutely stressed out. I said, hey, t- I said, hey Tony. <laughs> uh, this is what happened. He knows the guy who, you know, who couldn't come on today. I said, this is what happened. His son's, his son's sick. So could you come on the show. She's like, when? I was like, in an hour. She goes, do I have time to prepare? I'm like, well, we just talked for 10 minutes. So now you have 50 50 minutes. minutes. (laughs) So, So Tony's coming on in our second segment to talk about RCIA, what the RCIA process is, because those, that program that, that uh, helps people come into the church, most parishes is starting up in August. So I want to talk a little about that. So needless to say, whether I saw it or not, because I definitely didn't. Sam saw it for me. Uh, another another time where I tried to do all the work and Jesus did it for me anyway. <laughs> so here's what I want to talk about. That's all to set up uh, today's show and this first segment. So I've been, I've been reading this, uh, this uh, daily devotional. For men. Sam, have you been reading that one? I have not been reading that because well, I'm not a man. You, you, you shouldn't. shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read so that. No? No. it's by this, uh, this, uh, this author named Mark Batterson. And uh, it's like a seven day Bible, Bible study on the YouVersion Bible app. I've talked about it on the show. I absolutely love this app, and mainly because I often forget to pray it within all this busyness, right? <laughs> but this app can send me a little notification whatever time I want to. It's like, hey, it's time to do your daily devotional. I'm like, thanks, iPhone. I love you. <laughs> um, so I have been reading this, and I wanted to share some of the things. Some of them are like, yeah, this is manly. Others are pretty, you know, general things. Um, you know, salute general things for all the How I Met Your Mother fans out there. But I want to share some of the things that God revealed to me, and and He kind of um, that really stuck with me and sat in my heart after reading this. So the first one is. Uh, this is a quote from Mark Batterson. The conscience, if you don't know what a conscience is, just watch that Disney movie with the cricket. What's it called? Pinocchio. Pinocchio. There you go. I knew I kept you around for a reason. Just for um, that. That's right. That's right. Because my mom always said I, my, uh, I had a really nose. big nose because I lie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, he says that the conscience is our spiritual operating system. So just like how my phone has an operating system, that's how you download all your apps. Your computer has an operating system. That's how you're able to you know, click on things and all that kind of stuff. That's what our conscience is for our spiritual life. It's hardwired into the human heart. So this operating system, our conscience, is hardwired, built into us from the, t- from the time that we were born. Mm. But just like our phones, just like our computers, you know, if you... Sometimes there's that frustration of my computer has 187 updates. I don't have time for this. It's like, would you like to do this while you're asleep? I'm like, yes. Why didn't you start with that? (laughs) Yes, do it while I'm asleep. But just just like our phones, our our computers, our conscience, our spiritual operating system requires constant updating and upgrading. So what, so what does this look like? The way that we do this is by downloading scripture into our hearts on a daily basis, right? So if our conscience 
is put in us by God, then naturally and from the beginning, we're going to desire the good. We're going to desire God. We're going to desire to love others. But life happens. Just like a virus can happen on your operating system, on your phone, or your computer, and you have to like clean things out, right? Mm-hmm. So we have great ways to clean things out, <laughs> confession, right? <laughs> but just the daily things, the daily updates, the daily improvements to apps that come out, the daily improvements that come out to the things that help you get things done on your computer, that's what Scripture is for us. Our daily time of prayer, our daily reading of the Scriptures, it's because we need this upgrading as well. Because as we get older, one of my favorite Scriptures is talking uh, is Paul talking about the, the need for people to grow up in their faith. Just like a baby drinks milk whenever they're born, if you continue feeding them milk and they're like nine, they're not going to be healthy. It's also really weird. Yeah. It would be really weird. (laughs) It would be. Um, Now I'm thinking about a TV show where that happened. (laughs) It's weird. But (laughs) now I'm just thinking about that and I can't go on. Uh, This has been Forte Catholic, everybody. Have a good night. Come back, come back. Uh, come back. Okay, I won't I won't walk out anymore. Where was I talking about babies? That's right, Paul. Yes. So Paul uh, said, like, you started off with spiritual milk. Like you need to graduate to meat. You need to go deeper. You need to constantly be upgrading. And so reading the scripture, there's multiple ways to do that, right? By partaking in the sacraments. We have great things as a church that are available for us to continue to grow. <clears throat> but I like this idea of downloading scripture. Because so often, like, our operating system goes places that aren't church. We take our heart with us everywhere we go. We, we, we take it to work. We take it to when we're watching, binge-watching Netflix. We take it to when we're out in public. And things get downloaded into us that maybe aren't the greatest. Mm-hmm. So in order, in order to combat that, we need to be downloading the, the natural, um, the, the Word of God into our hearts. I know a lot of times it's, it's negative thoughts. When, when I'm not in scripture for a while, I can start thinking negatively about myself, negatively about others, negatively even about God. And it's because I have negative inputs coming in and I'm not having positive inputs coming in. So that was the first thing from this Mark Batterson um, Bible, Bible study that I was doing. If you download the YouVersion app, you can, t- you can search Mark Batterson and uh, find this Bible reading plan if you're interested in it. The second thing I thought was really interesting because it's one of my favorite quotes. And he says, it's from Friedrich Nietzsche. Mm. I also don't understand how it's spelled, how it's pronounced Nietzsche. N-I-E-T-Z-S-C-H-E. Nietzsche. <laughs> it's like, that's why I failed phonics. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> First of all, let's talk about the word phonics. The word phonics... Uh-huh. Should be spelled F O N I C A C S if we're being phonetically correct. Right. Stupid English. Like adults just hate little kids. <laughs> they do not want them to pass first grade. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but I actually know the quote better from a man named Kanye West. What does not kill me makes me stronger. Nietzsche said, "What does not kill me strengthens me." So. You know, whatever. Uh, so Nietzsche said it first, but I heard it first from Kanye. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, so, you know, obviously this, this thing is for men. Obviously women can work out. But, you know, this is a manly thing we're trying to do here. 
the way that you gain strength is by breaking down your muscle fibers. So when you when you go to work out, you're literally ripping your muscles. And I can tell you this from <laughs> from very uh, um, personal and very recent experience. Last night I went to go play <laughs> basketball for the first time in like two months. I can barely move today. <laughs> I was running around the court, and at one point, literally both of both of my calves cramped up at the same time, and I'm just like hobbling around. I look like I'm 50. I'm 27. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I know, like, where am I most sore? I'm most sore in my mid back, and those are the muscles that I use the least. I'm always hunched over and all these things. I know this from my chiropractor because they're always like. The middle, they do this like test and they test like muscle activity. Every time they do, they're like, you don't have muscles from like your uh, shoulder blades to like your butt. And I'm like, (laughs) wonderful. That's not good. So I really feel it in my mid back today because of the muscles that I use the least. Uh, Mark Batterson continues, said, then with the help of protein, those muscle fibers grow back even stronger. So if it just ripped them up, there'd be no point in that. But when we work out, we they are ripped, and then they grow back stronger with the help of protein. Uh, what's true physically is true for us emotionally and spiritually as well. When you go through a season of stress, think of it as an emotional or spiritual workout. Mm. You might be, you might feel that tearing, you might feel that pulling, it might feel like you're pulling, but you know, <laughs> but you're cramping up or whatever. It might feel like a breakdown, but God is building up your emotional fortitude, and it's it might be time to to uh, to set a stretch goal, a goal that might because we like comfort, right? So as he's talking to men, but I think this can be true for for anybody. Is like we need to allow for times for God to stretch us, for God to allow us to grow, and know that not every time that we're feeling stressed out or or troubled that it's instantly a bad thing, but maybe it's just like working out. It'll hurt for a little while, a day, two days, in my old man case, three days of being <laughs> sore and hurt, but it can be good for us. Um, the, the next thing that he says is uh, focusing on the right now. I, and I, I was reading this and I can see so often where I am focused on the past, where I'm focused on like mistakes I've made in the past or great things I did in the past. And I'm trying to either avoid the bad things or live in the good in the good things that happened in the past instead of like not wanting to deal with right now if things are aren't going well. And other times I'm busy working and preparing for the future. And then I'm not in the present, either with people that I work with or with my wife or with my kids. And I think it's pretty typical for for people, but really for like guys, like if the if a guy's the breadwinner and these types of things, it's like trying to trying to focus on getting things done and focusing on the future. Uh, and then Mark Batterson walks walks through this, and he says in um, talks about the Israelites. He said in wandering the desert, they were focused on getting to the Holy Land. So if you remember the story, they get out of Egypt. You know the waters part. They walk through. All their enemies are destroyed, and then they they're they're uh, wandering in the desert. So their sole focus was getting to the Holy Land, but they already had the presence of God with them. If you you read the story, which I think we did a few weeks ago in Mass, if you read the story, you hear that the presence of God was with them, that that, um, there was the glory tent where Moses would go in and he would see God's glory. He'd come out, his face would be shining, and he had to like wear a cloth over his face (laughs) because he was blinding people. It's like... 
people say the Bible's boring. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then at night, he would lead them as a pillar of fire. So it's this interesting thing. Like, what is the Holy Land? It's the land that God has set apart for them. It's the land that he can teach them to be his people and, and love him, love them as his people. It's like, what is that for us? Like, that, that's heaven. That's our final destination. And I think a lot of times we can focus on the future, focus maybe, maybe even in a good way on getting to heaven. But the Israelites often missed God's presence, which was the real present. Like they, they, they were so focused on getting to the Holy land that they, it wasn't a really a big deal all the time that God was there in a tent and made people like Moses' face so radiant because he was with them. And like only Moses and Joshua ever, I believe only were the only two that ever went into the glory tent. Like he was there. So for us, uh, for, for guys, but also for everybody in our, in our busy lives, like, don't miss out on God in the right now by focus on finding him in the future. I think for me, a lot of times when I'm stressed, the only thing that gets me through is that there's hope for the future. Like, this isn't going to always be this bad. This isn't always going to be like this. It'll be better. Like, that's a good thing. But what I miss in those stressful situations is God is present to me right now. What is he trying to tell me? What is he trying to do for me? What is he trying to do in me? So that's that's Mark Batterson. Check it out on the YouVersion Bible app. We will be right back with Miss Tony Hendricks to talk about RCIA and what that means. Welcome back to Forte Catholic, our second segment of the evening. Um, RCIA is a thing that uh, can confuse some people. And so I told you a little bit um, that we were going to be talking about that here in this second segment. I told you a little brief version of the story, but the the little longer version of the story is that uh, I had somebody booked to come on and talk about it. I found out about an hour ago that they couldn't do it. So I called my good friend Tony and I stressed her out like crazy. I said, "Hey, what are you doing in an hour?" She's like, "Uh." <laughs> and she agreed to come on the show. Tony, you are a lifesaver. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. You're welcome. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Um mostly because you're here. If you weren't here, I would have had to prepare a second segment and uh <laughs> it w- it wouldn't have been good. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for our for our listeners here, uh, just so they get, can know the voice on the other side of the phone. Yeah. My name is Tony Hendricks, and I live in Steubenville, Ohio. I live here with my husband and five kids, 13 down to 18 months. Let's see. We have kids in three different schools. So one is homeschooled, one is in Catholic school, a couple in Montessori. So we're all over the place. And in my spare time, I am the director of RCA for two parishes here in town. The real miracle so, of this interview yeah. isn't that you did it on an hour's notice. It's that we can't uh-huh. hear any of your five kids in the background. <laughs> oh, I sent them outside. They were on their way to bed, and I said, go in the backyard and play. And they were like, what? It's bedtime. And so they're not arguing. They're outside. 
<laughs> so I, I got to give them a, a little bit more time awake, which makes them like me even more. They tend to like me, and they have a special name for me that they called me when I lived in your neighborhood. And when I called you an hour ago, they were very excited yeah. to see the name that you have for me on your phone. What is that name? Yeah, our son ran down the stairs saying, Taylor Swift is on the phone. He's calling. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift. That, I cannot get away from that moniker. I, I, I said on the show a couple weeks ago that my pastor called me that for a year, legitimately thinking that was my name. <laughs> it was fantastic. That's too funny. Um, nobody has ever been more disappointed to see me than whenever he walked up at the first mass and said, Taylor Swift will be doing the music for mass today. And then my <laughs> chubby, bald self gets up there and all the girls are super disappointed. <laughs> so you said that you run the RCIA for <clears throat> two parishes. In the area. So for those of those people who um, have never heard of the RCIA, what is it and what's the purpose of it? Well, um, RCIA stands for Riot of Christian Initiation for Adults. So it's people who have this desire to learn more about God, God's plan for their life. I don't know. Sometimes they, they show up and they don't even know why they're there. You know, there's just this tug on their heart, this this yearning to be there. I think so I think it's it's one of the at least like when I think about it the first thing that I think of is like this is how people are brought into the church right it's how people yeah. get their sacraments like what are some of the like typical situations that people are are coming to RCIA for lots of reasons some people just through their study maybe they were I've come into contact with Protestant ministers who through more study have learned the truths of their faith and stuff and are coming that way. Sometimes people are coming in because of an interest, um, maybe an engagement or something. Lots of times people are in crisis and they just trying to make sense of life, it, you know, don't know where to turn. And so th that there's four stages to RCA and, and that initial part it's called the period of evangelization and the pre-catechumenate. You know, we're just going over the story of sal salvation, you know, um, how God has revealed himself to us and why he created us. Some people are surprised to, to know that, you know, God specifically willed them to be here. That, that, you know, you think about it, I didn't will myself to be here, but there was this intimate communion with God that he, he had a plan for me. And he created me, you know, and that kind of internalizes this response. Well, if, if he desired me to be here, then then what is it? What is he calling for me to do? So there's this time of just kind of revealing what God has done for us. It's a time for questions. And it's it's also you're not you're not signing up to be Catholic when you come to this part. But sometimes people just come and check it out. And that's what's going on in that in that first stage. What are some the, of the, the common like struggles or objections that people have? Like, because I, I think most of those probably come up in that in that first segment. People are coming, not really sure what they're doing there. Like you said, a lot of times it's people who are getting married to somebody who's Catholic, and or they're they're searching and they they're looking for answers. What are some of the common struggles, common objections that people have in that first segment of the RCA process? A lot of it comes more a little bit towards the end. Do you want me to go through the periods and maybe it would make more sense? Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay. So the second part. So after, you know, this prayerful consideration, they're, they're ready to live a life of Christ, give themselves to God. And so they're 
the next part of the session, so you're going to just, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I live this out? And we look at the, the sacraments and how grace is poured out in our lives. And this, this understanding that um, we can't do, we can't do it on our own. I like to think of Matthew 14, I think, where the, the two loaves and the five fish, remember, they want to feed the, the crowd. And he says, oh, this is all I have. They give it to Jesus and he makes not just enough, but he makes an abundance. This, this realization that that's what we're called to do. We have to realize that like, we don't have enough, you know, and we can't do this on our own, but what God's calling us to do is give us, give him, you know, our two loaves and five fish. And he gives us that grace to help us in our lives. Then the third period um, is the purification enlightenment. And this oftentimes coincides with Lent. So that's preparing to receive the sacraments of Easter. It's this deep interior reflection, looking at suffering and things like that. We're also looking at the moral life and stuff. And so a lot of life issues are brought up here. And this seems to be the hardest part for people. So you have um, this initial response of, gosh, God made me and he wants me. And yeah, I want to live a Christian life. And then we get to this, you know, the hot topics like same-sex marriage and birth control. It's tough because I think that people, all they've heard are the distortions or lies. You know, they've never heard the truth. It's hard for them to wrap their heads around it sometimes. And oftentimes it means making big changes in their lives too. You have a spouse that's going and they, you know, it's on their heart that they need to make these big changes in their lives. But then their spouse at home maybe isn't isn't there, you know. And so it's messy. Conversion is messy. What's the, the last portion of it? So after Easter, um, when you receive the sacraments of initiation, so baptism, if you haven't been baptized, first communion, and then um, confirmation, there's this period between Easter and Pentecost called the mystagogy. And it's just this time that we really take the Sunday readings and we dive into them more, um, reflecting on them, just trying to deepen our faith and grow together, just reflecting on what God has done for us, that continued call to conversion in our life, just just every day. I think that's so important because you were talking about conversion. And I think so often about like the big conversions and the little conversions that I've had in my life. I've need support after those. Like the ones that stick and the ones that really help me grow are the ones where I had community around me, where I had youth group, I had youth leaders, I had mentors, these types of things to keep it going. And I think that's what that that's for. Yeah. I think you know one of the big reasons that I wanted to talk about RCIA today is that a lot of parishes start their RCIA programs, you know, around this time of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times like the church will say that we want it to be 2 years long and I mean, sometimes that happens, but at least for the most part it may not be the best thing, but for the most part we all kind of do it from August or so till till Easter. And yeah. so there might be some people listening today. I know there are some people who aren't Catholic that listen they might be driving in the car, listening to Catholic radio, or they're listening to this, you know, Catholic podcast. And if they are, it means that they have some sort of interest in Catholicism. Maybe they have questions that they want answered. Like you were saying, they have, you know, questions about tough stuff like homosexuality, gay marriage, or what the church teaches. Like we're celebrating a Marian feast day today, right? Like questions about Mary and do you worship Mary, all these things. To be interested in RCA, they need to know a few things. They need to know what the process is, which you have laid out for us. They need to know like what the goal of it is, and they need to know that they're able to ask these questions. You've done all that. I think practically, one thing that'd be good for you to share is like, 
if somebody's going to show up, at, like if they're showing up to your RCIA session, what does like a typical session or typical evening look like? RCA has this beautiful ability to meet people where they are. And that's what I love about it is that um, you have usually a diverse group of people. You're coming in the evening. Hopefully there's good food. If the hospitality director has done their job well. That's the best way and, to get people in the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're nurturing them from from all angles. So there's, just, there's a time of just quick prayer. You know, just leave everything outside. Just trying to just open your heart to what is God trying to say to me right now in this in this time that we have together. And as we go through the different lessons, and then just there's probably like 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and then there's time to break and ask questions and just uh, reflect more on it. So you're usually there an hour and a half, two hours. It's a weekly commitment. In the beginning, everyone complains about Every single person does. And towards the end, they want it to end. They think it was, they're so happy that they did it and stuck with it. And they're wanting to know what they can do the upcoming year, you know? So it seems <laughs> you must like be a doing lot something right. But it's really, <laughs> well, hopefully, but it's really not, you know? And I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's not even a whole year. And what, we're, what are we doing? We're preparing for our salvation. You know, this is really important. So, it's not that much if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Right. I, I love one of my favorite things. I've been able to go like teach at some RCA sessions. One of my favorite parts is that they get to have, you know, small group discussion or conversations about the topic because people have, have questions and they want to have these questions answered before they agree to come into the church and these types of things. So I, I absolutely love the RCA process and I'm glad that I get I'm starting to get more chances to be involved with it. You've been, you know, involved with it for for a while. You've been leading this group. So you've been able to see the impact of RCIA. Could you share a story with us about somebody who that you who you have seen changed by the RCIA process? Oh yeah, just recently there was somebody who came to RCIA, and I think they were in the same boat. They didn't know why they were there, but they knew they were supposed to be there. He was, I think, ordained in a different denomination, and he just was very angry. He was disgusted at the world, impatient. We became friends on Facebook, and I remember one post. It was a whole paragraph, and I didn't. I don't know how he fit so many swear words into this one paragraph, and it still made sense that he did it. I mean, just that's how he talks all the time. And then over the course of the year, leading up to, and and he went through so much spiritual warfare during that year, being laid off and and medical problems and and this and that. But he knew what it was as soon as he identified it, and he was praying through it. He had more strength. Towards the end, just this peace kind of came over him. And now when I talk to him, he knows that I call him the go-to sense. He knows that he leans towards being impatient or leans towards anger, but he's just giving it to God every single day. He's sharing things on Facebook about free eBooks on how to pray the rosary or, you know, going to daily mass and talking about the Eucharist. And, and it's just, it's just a world of difference than, you know, where he was, almost nine months ago. It's an, you know, they go through a change, but we go through a change too on the team because every year is different. You know, we're all individuals and, and every year we get to see a different way that God's working in someone's life and, and we're inspired. So it, it's a gift to everybody who's on the team as well. It's it's a beautiful ministry. You talk about being on the team, like you getting to lead it and people. Um, there are other people there helping you out. So like the majority of people who listen to the show are Catholic, are people who are 
uh, who, who know their faith or are wanting to grow more in their faith. So what would you say to them about how they can help throughout this RCIA process? Oh, there's lots of ways to help. Hospitality. Maybe you can provide some of the yummy dishes that are coming to the RCA. If you want to be on the team and don't sell yourself short, maybe, you know, well, I don't have a background in theology, but your your personal testimony, you sharing how God has worked in your life and just being like Jesus on the road to Emmaus and just walking with somebody else is maybe that's what you're called to do. If you can't be on the team, praying for those who are coming to RCA to remove any roadblocks, to bless them, to protect them, their families that are making sacrifices for them to go to these weekly things. And also for the team too, we need prayers. And then maybe you're called to um, instruct and be a catechist and echo down these teachings that we've been given. So, that, I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways to be involved in RCA. Oh, and, and you know, being connected to the community, and like you were talking about, having a community to go through the trials of life. And so, you know, reaching out, maybe inviting, getting to know the person and their family that are coming to the church and inviting them over for dinner and just connected to different events and church and stuff. So there's lots of ways to be involved. Tony, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us. If you're if you're listening to the show tonight and you're not Catholic, uh, check it out at your local parish. Check out the RCAA. Tony, thanks for coming in the clutch at the last minute. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, God bless. Talk to you soon. God bless. And final segment of Forte Catholic for the evening. Something I just realized in the break is that both guests that I have on tonight are both doing interviews from Ohio. How ironic is that? Tony was in Steubenville, Ohio. My buddy Chris Dowling is on the line. He is um, a buddy from Texas in Austin. We're going to talk about um, hanging out there last week. But he's currently in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, sneaking around a corner so that he can get better cell service. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's it really is my pleasure. So we are going to be talking about like young adult ministry, primarily based around this synod the Pope has called for. So the Pope has called for a synod, which is like a gathering of all the bishops in Rome, so that they can address young adult ministry and how the church can better serve sixteen to thirty year olds. And you and I went to this meeting of the local bishops here in our diocese of Austin, because before the big synod with the Pope comes, he's having all of his local bishops meet with young adults and, and young people throughout all the dioceses, diocese, dioceses, yeah, sure, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about like what do young people need in the diocese across the world. So you and I met about a year ago, we hung out, sat together at this synod, and you definitely uh, had, had some things to share. So before we even get started in the nitty gritty, what was like your basic impression of this two hours that you and I and a bunch of other young adults spent with our two bishops in the Diocese of Austin? Uh, yeah, I was really excited. Uh, I feel like Pope Francis really wants to hear the experience of young people 
uh, sometimes the questions could be, hey, young people, what do we need to do better? What do you think we should do better? And, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, and sometimes we could always think we know exactly what needs to happen and what the church should do. But I think the deeper level that Pope Francis was asking, and he was encouraging the bishops to ask, is not what could the church do for young people necessarily, but what is the experience of a young person today, whether you live in rural areas or you're in a city, whether you're single, whether you're searching for a spouse, whether you're discerning vocation, whether you're in your first career, what's the experience of a young person? And so I was really, uh, I felt really supported that the bishops came and sat and they had pen in hand, very humbly as good shepherds, it really felt like. And that was kind of the question they're asking us is, what is your experience? And so my hope is that, that you know, eventually that the conversation in the church that's going to make it back to the Senate and, and to the church, you know, as a whole is how could we better get to know the journey and the experience of young people so that we can respond in the right kind of way. So not as much opinions on what we should do and, and how we could fix the church, uh, but to understand my experience as a young adult so that like pastors, you know, uh, uh, young adult ministers, parishioners of different generations could journey with me and accompany me like, as a young adult. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so funny because the brilliance of Pope Francis, who's, you know, 70 something, I don't know how old he is these days. I, I don't keep up, but old, right? <laughs> not a millennial. Yeah. The brilliance to, to not be the guy who says, oh, I know what they need. I'm just going to do it. The brilliance to have yeah. this going on all across the world right now of, like you said, people sharing their experiences, why they love the church, why they're, they feel or why they feel unconnected from the church, why they feel burned by the church, like all these wide spectrums of experiences <clears throat> so that he can know. But my, my, my takeaway was really similar to yours, like so much hope for the future, not only in the church, but like particularly in our diocese. Just like the beauty, like I'm not an emotional person, but like I was definitely like had some tears welling up. Just the beauty of seeing these two bishops, our shepherds, our leaders, being able to just sit down and listen to people who don't have the degrees that they do, don't have the experience in ministry that they do, don't have, you know, the the technical skills to do ministry that they do, but truly valuing our opinions, truly valuing what was being said. It was just beautiful and absolutely humbling, and I loved it. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think about, I think about, I wasn't thinking about this that night, but I'm thinking about it right now. Like when Jesus preached his parables, you know, they could seem old fashioned to us, right? Unless a, a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, right? Like the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. He talks a lot about harvesting and farming and fishing and all of these things, but like that was the, that, that was the nitty-gritty and, like, the intimate experience of the people that he was speaking with, right? And, like, the hidden life of Jesus for 30 years, he lived that simplicity, and he knew his flock. Like, he knew the people, and so he spoke into their life experience, and there was such a humility, I think, in the way that Jesus spoke those parables. And so hopefully that's maybe what all of the synods do for the family life, for everything else, what Pope Francis is encouraging great bishops like ours to do you know, our bishops following in the footsteps of Francis is to know intimately our experience, you know, can there be a parable based on my experience in life as a young adult so that, that, that I could enter into the gospel more fully and that I could have an encounter with Christ through the shepherds of the church preaching in parables like as Christ would preach. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know, as we're talking about this. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I, as you were talking, about the parable, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't know what a wheat looks like. <laughs> that doesn't mean much to me. It's like, I know yeah. the songs about that verse, but 
Why does the wheat have to die? Yeah. Why can't it just become my bread? I'm, I'm confused. Um, but I'm, yeah, the I'm, kingdom of God is like, you know, 5,000 unread emails, and then you find that one that <laughs> speaks to your heart and leads to your conversion. I don't know. But like, you know, the kingdom of God is like second traffic, you know, and then that one person looks at you and waves to you instead of, you know, getting road rage. I don't know. But, you know, it's not our experience, at least in the city, right? It might be different for people of different countries or different cultures. Jesus spoke specifically to the Hebrew and the Gentile culture, so... It would have been really funny if, like, you know, because Jesus knows everything, and he knew everything when he was preaching. If he started talking about parables about emails and cars, and all the people there are like, what are you talking about? And us, yeah. 2,000 years later, are like, thank you! I finally hear something I understand! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, uh, I know that you... Like, how this whole thing worked is there were young adults all in this big old gym, the, the bishops were up at the front, and there were, like, mics being passed around so people could stand up. They asked us questions. We had to write down our responses. And then, you know, they said, does anybody like to share? And I know that you had some powerful things to share that I really, I really enjoyed hearing. So what was the biggest thing that you wanted to share with the bishops and that you did whenever you got your chance on the microphone? Yeah, um, my experience as a young adult, and I know I'm not alone in this, but I also know that I don't represent everybody. But my experience as a young adult coming of age in the church is that my parents brought me to church and they planted the seed of faith in me. But my own family of origin was a difficult place to grow up. Uh, you know, there were some addictions in my family. Uh, my parents struggled to get along and it was a very tumultuous family experience emotionally. And so for me, the church was always my solace. The church was my family, the youth group, and then going to a Catholic college and um, working in ministry was like a family to me, but as I come of age as a young adult, those family of origin issues, some of the struggles that I have, difficult behaviors, you know, uh, uh, sinful tendencies, I carry these with me, and a lot of us that struggle, whatever age we are, that struggle, you know, for instance, if it's an addiction, is, okay, I'll take care of this when blank, right? I'll take care of this when I get out on my own in college. I'll take care of this when I graduate college. I'll take care of this when I'm dating. I'll take care of this when I'm engaged, when I get married. When I have kids, I'll finally kick this habit, or I'll finally do this good thing. I'll finally go back to church when I have kids, right? So that when, for me as a young adult, it's like the, I, the when has never been more pertinent than now. I'm independent, right? Like, I, I love my family, and we still keep in touch, but it's my time as an individual to really work through these issues as I'm preparing for my final vocation. So for me, I'm discerning celibacy and religious life. So I'll take care of this win. What are the things in my life that I've kind of been dragging along that I finally really want to work through in order to prepare for my final vocation? And so I think there's so many young adults like me that have carried these burdens, uh, a lot of you know mental health, issues of spirituality, right? And maybe you know these difficult things in their life. And so what my desire is, is for the church to understand that those of us that are coming to church, you know, we walk into church and maybe the older generation will look at us and say, thank you so much, you're so holy, you're coming here, but to recognize that, that we're broken and we're coming to be healed. And so uh, what I would love to have to receive from the church is to see other people my age be directed towards resources for healing, right? So uh, different resources like uh, healing opportunities, uh, mental health, you know, uh, recovery opportunities and things like that. And I know that's for every generation as well. That's not just a young adult thing, but I think there's an eagerness in young adults around my age to really go and seek that healing to become integrated. Um, and, and we would all agree that, 
you know, the world is, seems to be progressively more difficult to grow up in, you know, and they look at us swiping on our cell phones and all the stuff we struggle with and the, and, and, and the difficult, you know, the news and, and, you know, all of those things. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of what, what I, what I asked is, can the church find resources or plug us in with resources so that we can go and seek that healing, uh, to prepare for our vocation? Yeah, one of the most interesting things that that you shared with me whenever we were sitting next to each other when we had some time to share is along the lines of the healing that you were saying, you were like, what can we learn from like uh, programs that already do this, these 12-step programs for people to be healed from ab- abuse or, or al- alcoholism or um, you know other kinds of uh, addictions? What do you think works in those programs that could work for young adults in the church? a great question. Um, hmm. You know, one thing that I've really benefited from in the, in the 12 step program that I'm involved in is that I am one of the younger members. Now I, I really it, it appreciate that there are members of my age, but I also admire the older members who have the lived experience, you know, to, to, to help journey with me and, 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 and share their experience so that I have that support. So that's one thing is often in the church, we do struggle to be intergenerational you know, young adult groups have their group, and the Knights of Columbus, you know, is, is typically older, even though I know that the Knights really, really are trying hard to get younger people. And so I know 12-step groups, when you join that group, age is, is no longer an issue. And I think that's a beautiful experience of community that I would love to see in the church. At the same time, I don't expect the church to, to, to fill every single need, because the grace of God is poured through the churches of the sacraments, but it's also available in many other ways, such as 12-step groups or going to counseling, right? Or, you know, just friends of yours that may not be Catholic, but the love of God is, is coming through them. Um, so I think these things outside of the church, it's okay that they're outside of the church, and I take my Catholic faith into that, but I can experience Christ in a very profound way, you know, um, and the church can encourage me in seeking those things out. That's fantastic, man. Like, that was one of the more interesting things that 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 you said to me, and it really just kind of opened my eyes to a new way of seeing it. And that's what I lo- another thing that I loved about this gathering is that all young adults are different, right? We have a lot of things in common, but we all have different experiences. One of the other things that I heard that was interesting for me because I, I work in youth ministry, and even though I work in youth ministry, I often see like our young people go off to college. I met with a kid just now who's going to college tomorrow. And like my deepest desire is for them to continue living their faith as as young adults, and we know from numbers that it doesn't happen often. Like, like sad to say that, but like the numbers are absolutely staggering. And so, like one of the things that we do is try to prepare young people, and that's what, what one thing that came up at this at this gathering is like prepare young people for when they're going to be young adults to to have these things. But um, but another thing was for young adults and for youth, like. The church, one thing that I, I can feel tendencies towards or what I see other people in ministry tend towards is kind of making the faith very simple and trying to appeal to the masses, right? Which obviously the faith is for the masses, but like appeal entertainment wise. And I think one of the most impactful quotes that I heard was somebody said, like, don't turn the seven course meal of Catholicism into fast food. And I can see youth ministry, young adult ministry, doing that as time. So um, how have you seen, like, in the communities, I know that you're involved with, like, the Young Catholic Professionals in Austin. Um, how have you seen these groups work to, to to share the fullness of the church? What good are these groups doing? I think for me, what I appreciate most is witness. 
and accompaniment and encounter, right? These are all buzzwords that Pope Francis has really equipped us with. Um, when I think about young Catholic professionals, you know, the, the happy hours that we have together, the, the networking that we do, um, the fellowship is good, uh, but I could also get that outside of the church, right? But what I can't get is the executive speaker that comes and shares the witness of his faith and the struggle that he may have had when he was my age to incorporate his Catholic faith with work. You know, what was it like for that executive when he was faced with an unethical decision that everybody else on the team was willing to go with for the sake of profit, and he made that hard decision? Or what was it like that first year of his career when he was, you know, or that first year of marriage when he was having to do the work-life balance and he struggled and he slipped and maybe that first decade where he overworked himself and then he had a conversion of heart and he realized he needed to spend more time with his family and he repented and there was healing in the family. That witness and that accompaniment, you know, is is really what I value. Um, and that is something that anyone could offer. That's something that the, the older lady in the church, whether she's my parents' age or my grandparents' age, she has a story, right, in her prayers and her support. But especially that relationship is is worthwhile. And I think that sometimes we all have to look within ourselves and be humble enough to admit that God is working through us. And then it's not me, but the grace of God has sustained me. And there's so many people of an older generation that have overcome such obstacles and that is such an experience of faith, even if they can't articulate it in super theological terms. When we talk about death and, and you know, fast food versus a seven course meal, to me, the seven course meal is the experience of a faith that someone has that it's God. They're not bragging, right? They're not saying, look at me, but they're praising God and saying, yeah, my faith saved me in these dark times. And to go back to recovery 12 step groups, when there's this culture of authenticity, accompaniment, right, encounter and openness, the grace of God is flowing in our lives in so many ways. So many of the, the saints' examples, it was their personal stories and their simplicity of faith that drew us in, not necessarily the high and mighty theology. So that's, that's what I desire is to encounter Christ in, in, in the story of other people. Um, and that's, that's what I value out of things like YCP, you know, young Catholic professionals or, um, you know, things like the chirp retreat. You know, I've heard a lot about the chirp retreat and a lot of young adults I know go into a chirp retreat, and that's a parish retreat where there's really this close-knit group, you know, and this experience of sharing your story. And I'm friends with young adults who've had a transformative experience by hearing the story of someone of an older generation. So, Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experience of being a young adult, sharing your experience of this, this beautiful gathering with our bishops. I think this young adult ministry is the biggest need currently in our church, and uh, something I'll share with you, man, it's so cool to see it working because our local pastor just reached out to us and said, how can we get young adult ministry going after the bishops read, reached out to him? So, Chris, thanks thanks for coming out. Thanks for uh, for being uh, an, uh, impactful in your in your young adult community. And guys, we will be back next week with Father Airman uh, talking about things for young adults. See ya!